how to dream, cowboys. Welcome back to our Barry Rewatch and Recap Podcast. We are wrapping up our series on the first season of Barry in preparation for an eventual Barry Season 3 podcast. Today, the season finale, Episode 8, Know Your Truth. Directed by Alec Berg and written by Alec Berg and Bill Hader, the dream team, coming back to sew it up at the end. And for a show that, and I think we all need to live in some context right now, from the beginning of this podcast to the end. Okay, let's bookend it. Let's be good narrative storytellers. We asked ourselves a few questions at the beginning that I think we have to think about during this finale and then afterwards, because thinking about things is as funny as anyone could ever be, just giving like serious thought to narrative structure. One, is this show a comedy? Two, a few episodes ago, we reached a point where we were like, where can we go from here and how could it progress? And this episode is a good example of like, You'll never fucking know. Like, it just it just keeps on trucking with or without you. And number three, how long can this show go if Barry keeps doing terrible shit? This episode was bizarre. And I don't just necessarily mean the things that happened in it. The structure of the episode was strange. There's like a hard tonal shift halfway through. There's also a two-month jump into that tonal shift, which is supposed to feel jarring and it is and to be honest i wonder if perhaps they did not know they were getting a second season because there's a real finality to this episode it's sure it's open open a little bit but more or less every plot line is resolved yeah i assume they hoped they were getting a second season and i think their numbers were good i'm not sure if they had a renewal yet or not but There was a finality, I agree. They wrapped everything up, but at the same time, and we'll talk about this at the end, but, like, I was not satisfied how I felt about Barry, like, the main character of the story. I was like, there needs to be more time for him to, if a redemption is even humanly possible for him, to just chip away at that shit, because right now, he is not cool with me. Not cool, Barry. I mean, we'll get into it. I was more, I would say, bemused by another character's choices, uh, narrative choices. But, well, let's let's just take it from the top. Okay. Before we get started, guys, I want to remind you that we have a Patreon that you could subscribe to for just a dollar or more to get bonus content. You can chat with Ryan and I live on our patrons-only Discord, as well as have your name shouted out at the end of each episode. Yeah, that Discord's been jumping lately, too. We have Chad in there and Adam in there now. We have conversations, just like us four. Our patrons, I believe, are there. Just, like, watching us, like, through a fishbowl. Being like, these people are so stupid. I'll give them a dollar. The episode begins with Barry breaking up with Fuchs. Fuchs is so happy to see him because Noho Hank had told him that Barry was dead. But then Barry punches the shit out of him in the face, uh, takes the money, and leaves and announces he's done being a hitman. Starting now. Yeah, starting now, which is a common theme, something that Barry says over and over and over again. I am going to focus on being happy from this point on and stop doing evil shit. And he punches Fuchs in the face twice, as you said. Fuchs is beside himself. He doesn't understand what's going on. He, he So many emotions all at once. Happy that Barry is alive. Sad he got punched in the face twice. Sad that his money is being taken from him forcefully. And 
anger at Barry for the breakup that came out of nowhere moments after that he learned that he was still alive. Just, like, not nice of him. Fuchs is pretty stupid here, but, I mean, this is consistent with how he's been behaving in the show so far. Just, like, absolutely pushing his luck. He thinks because he won over Gorn the first time, he's like, oh, I'll just do it again. I'll just go in there, work the magic, and and get him over to my side, and together we'll take down Barry and get my money back. Yeah, I think the context makes it not terrible. He hasn't been sleeping because he thinks Barry's dead. He's been very drunk for a lot of days straight. And he just got broken up with in the only relationship it seems that he has. And he needs to figure out how to get back on the other side of this power struggle. And the the only way is through the Chechnyans in his mind. So he goes over to Gorin's. But yeah, completely backfires. They look at him and they he didn't have the information. He didn't know Gorin was like, Fuchs sucks. And then we meet the second uh, of Vasha's brothers. Yeah. Obviously, it's the same actor, but now he has a mustache. <laughs> yeah. My even crazier version of vasha he's a twin they use the fun like crazier twin trope which i really enjoy there this one's name is ruslan he's rubbing up a buzzsaw and he's preparing to kill fuchs because goran's like yeah i'm not having any of your shit this was the character moment that i was really confused by so throughout the show noho hank has just kind of been shown to be kind and polite and just like a good guy to everybody regardless but when they find out from fuchs that barry's still alive they, they plan to take him out as like a peace offering to the bolivians and so noho hank straight up just calls barry and warns him like hey they're about to kill fuchs and they're coming for you too so please get out I'm warning you because I consider you a true friend. And I just, I didn't understand that. Bit of a reach. Yeah, I guess the, well, so the, well, the idea is that Noah Hank's an idiot or whatever, but he, we'd already seen that he was like, at least on a surface level on a good terms with Fuchs, but then also willing to just have him killed. I, I never got the sense that, that Barry stood out as someone that Noah Hank particularly liked or cared about since he seems to, like and care about everyone yeah. on a surface level, I mean. Maybe we're underestimating Noho Hank in this moment. Maybe he's actually thinking ahead to a future where he could use Barry's talents and he doesn't want Barry dead because Goran's not going to be his boss forever. Like, that's not his vibe. That's not the way that he comes off at all. He just comes off as, like, a lovable idiot who wants to be everybody's friend. But, I don't know, and perhaps I'm giving him too much credit for, like, doing something that doesn't make a whole lot of sense narratively, but it felt like a shortcut in writing, right? That I'm now just trying to justify. Yeah, well, kind of forced. I don't, I don't, I can't off the top of my head think of an alternative way that they could have gotten Barry over there, but this way didn't seem organic. No. I assume that in the writer's room, they were like, that doesn't feel 100% right, but let's go get lunch. We find out that the buzzsaw was a misdirect. Uh, Vasha's insane brother was just using it to build an old-fashioned Wild West stockade that he wanted to force Fuchs into and, and then execute him. He thinks this would be a touching tribute to Vasha for some reason. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And it's not going to... Gorin is very mad about all of this. And he's just like... By the way, what's his aversion this whole time to just shooting the dude himself? He just doesn't like the dirty work. I think he wanted him tortured to death. Yeah. And the people with the aprons and the masks are the best at that. But apparently not. They do not have a sense of urgency. So Gorin does like, you know, the thing that, that bad guys never do. 
right? The 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 Scott evil move of like, we, you know, I could just shoot him very quickly before anyone has a chance to do anything negative to me or any of my pals. And this this was harrowing. So like, he goes to shoot Fuchs, but then like, <laughs> we hear a gunshot go off, and they're like, "Oh, how did you miss? You're so close." And then really fucking gory, he turns his head and he's just squirting blood out the back of it up into the air. And he's like waving his arm around uh, as a muscle reflex because he's already dead. And then a hail of bullets come and kill all the other Chechenian gangsters. And uh, they're all down. And of course, it's Barry has come to save Fuchs and Fuchs is so happy to see him. And they actually like do kind of reconcile. Barry takes him to the airport to get out of there he even gives him the money and he, he reiterates he's like i am truly done with this now again starting now starting now so bye goran gonna miss you the part where your hand was going around like you're a wind-up toy almost shooting anybody else while your brain was you know shutting down due to the bullet in it was pretty funny and yeah it's uh, i liked that character it's gonna be a bummer not to see him around why do you think Barry saved Fuchs here? Like, what's the justification? Because he thinks he owes him something? Or at least, like, I, I swear I'm good. A good person would save the dude who gave me a job. Like, he just broke up with them, you know, at some amount of hours ago. And now he's just like, oh, I just can't let him die. But why? I actually think, I think this was the logical thing for Barry to do. If he wants to stay in L.A. and go to Gene's class, if he eliminates the Chechnins... And gets Fuchs out of the situation. That's like a nice thing he can do while solving his biggest problem. Yeah. And he knows that like Noho Hank is cool with him now. So Goran is the problem. Yeah. Two birds, one stone sitch. Hank wasn't there for the shooting. He was like in the kitchen. They gave him kitchen duty because they said he was too weak. And so he actually survives. And he, and he gets away before Moss and her partner show up to the crime scene. Basically, uh, they put everything together. Oh, it must be the Bolivians. Who are who have now arrived in force? This is a, just a big gangland style hit, and there I didn't really get this joke. One of the crime scene investigators was like, "It looks like whoever was shooting was either crouching or very short," and they're like, "Oh, well, then it must be Bolivians." And are Bolivians short? I don't know. That that that, did, that joke didn't resonate with me. Yeah, I don't know <laughs> how much that is based off of real life, but it has been a running joke that bolivians are short and uh, it's a throwaway uh, just just let just leave it on the side of the road where it belongs the funniest joke in the episode was when they're holding their police press conference explaining uh with all the evidence that they have that this was a a mastermind plot from ryan in in collaboration with taylor to pit the Bolivians and the Chechnians against each other so that he could rise to the new crime kingpin. And he explains, and as he's explaining this, I'm like, oh, it's like in Yojimbo. He's like, just like in the classic Kurosawa film, Yojimbo. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the chief of police then goes on to answer a bunch of questions about Akira Kurosawa. I thought that was very fun. All of this is happening on live television and Gene Kusno from a Costco, sees Moss on the screen, gives her a call. She answers the phone on live television. She just kind of turns away. And he is 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 coming on to her once more, saying that he wants to be kicked in the nuts, which I think he's talking about literally. And she seems very into. She's like big into fight porn, apparently. Uh, another thing, though, when they were talking about Ryan Madison being a... 
like a crime boss. In that moment, I was only thinking how hurt his dad must have felt. We met his father, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's goddamn sad times. How dare you? You're ve- very, you comedy. You're, you're a comedy, and you made me feel very sad. Again, like everything getting resolved, everything getting tied up. We have a very nice scene where Noho Hank meets up with the leader of the Bolivian gangsters. Cristobal. Cristobal, who's like also a very chilled out, nice, reasonable guy. And of course, like they hit it off immediately and just broker a mafia piece like immediately. And Noho Hank turns to his gentlemen who are employed by him, says... They're small, but they're friendly. Just go meet them. It's like we're on the playground once more. We all are going to be friends. And yeah, with his attitude of being very chill and friendly, he has talked Cristobal into a partnership that I am sure will be fruitful. Barry goes to what he thinks is going to be his last day at Jean's class. And he tells Sally that he's quitting and he apologizes for being weird to her. And messing up their scenes. And instead, she tells him, like, no, actually, like, you really saved that scene for me. And and now I have this chance at getting professional representation that I never had before. And you've actually really improved. But Barry says that the problem is that his method <laughs> of having to kill people in order to feel human feelings is not going to work out for him. Right. And And Sally explains that, like... The inverse is also possible that acting can be a way to process past feelings yeah. as well. And and she goes into her backstory a little bit, which is that like she escaped an abusive marriage and she lays that all out for him. And and, and he's she asks him like and and you know, you could do the same to process your feelings about, you know, whatever happened to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now you which, go. You, know, you, you could share with me, yeah. Do it now. <laughs> and he's like, Totally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could do that. I'm not going to, you know, because it's brutal murder. So Barry decides to stay in the acting class and him and Sally decide to begin an actual relationship. They're going to do a another show together as well called The Front Page. And then it fades to black and uh, act one is complete. Yeah. And at that point, I checked like oh, how much longer is left. And there's still half the episode, which was crazy. And there's a great line here where she's like, oh, you know, it's it's not a drama, it's a comedy, so you just have to read the lines loud and fast and it comes out funny. <laughs> yeah. Which is pretty true. A bit of meta-commentary there. When I did my uh, piece of legitimate theater in college, I was like the comedy relief and I had all the best laugh lines. It was like a dramedy. And it's, it's nice because you just have to read something funny that someone else already wrote for you and you get a laugh. Yes, exactly. It's a cheap laugh, James, okay? You should have thrown the lines away, ones that you have been working on with a group of people who depend on you to say them correctly and where they're supposed to be. Threw them away and just improv, just riffed it. Yeah, there would have been more honor in that. There would have been. Also, knowing you and your stellar personality, more laughs. Giggles, even. And as you mentioned earlier, we now we get a three weeks later. Or was it three months later? An amount of time. And they're at Gene's Lake House in in upstate California. Okay. How does he afford this shit? Maybe it's a timeshare. Hopefully. Just like based on tax purposes and all that good stuff. But yeah, they're in a log goddamn cabin. The lighting is like all the daydreams that Barry has had. The audio sounds very ethereal, just like the daydreams. So as it started, I was like, oh. This is a daydream. 
Right. I, something that Barry does that I like a lot is like the Alan Ball, six feet under, true blood, deadpan fantasy sequence where like it's not even clear that they've cut away to a fantasy until it ends. And you, and you think that this is one of them, but no, it just keeps going and going and going. Him and Sally are together. They, they, whatever show they had put on was a success. They're about to do another one. Gene's really impressed with his progress. Gene and Moss are now like happily in a committed relationship as well. And they're spending the weekend together, uh, out here in the wilderness to celebrate their success. Gene is in multiple different outfits, all of them stellar. A cowboy hat, a chef's hat as he's cooking them all steaks. They're having dinner that night. And they're talking about Sally and Barry, that is, their next show where they're going to be doing a two-man show that each night they're going to be switching parts. And Moss points out, like, you think people are going to come multiple nights to this? Like, and Sally's like, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, totally. And Barry's like, fuck, that's a good point. I'm just doing a lot of work for nothing. No one's going to see me do both parts. Why would they? And... This gives Kusno an opportunity to be like, you know, they've both come so very far. Sally is amazing. Barry keeps saying that as well. Everyone's praising her as much as humanly possible. And he goes, you know, also Barry's amazing now. But like, I always knew he had something in him because of that first time I met him. And he starts telling this story about the monologue in the parking lot from episode one. And the way Bill Hader's face fell was goddamn magnificent. And also, previously, Moss had seen the poster from the show they just wrapped, and it has his stage name, Barry Block. Yeah, and told him that it's not a good name to his face. And she thinks back to the time that she couldn't find Barry on social media when she was looking into everyone in the acting class. As Gene Cousineau is talking about this story from episode one that is, you know, if you don't recall, a guy coming back as a Marine and becoming a hitman and then not wanting to be a hitman and wanting to be an actor, which Gene Cousineau points out it's not a very good story. But it does slot into what Moss needed to know and kind of into her case that has already been quote-unquote solved. And then she very deftly changes the subject to Sally's ride-along that she wants to do. And Barry is like momentarily relieved that, okay, she didn't pick up on it. Everything's going to be cool. The last scene is extremely tense. So in the middle of the night, Moss wakes up, goes out on her own with her laptop, goes back on Facebook, finds Barry Block, finds that Barry Block has like a single Facebook friend, and it's Chris. And then Chris has many pictures with Taylor, and it all just becomes extremely clear to her. She basically has Barry dead to rights, and, and Barry approaches her, arms up. And Barry has a really, like, to me, like, effective monologue here where he's like, listen, I did a lot of bad things, but I'm just like you. I want to start a new life. I want to have something. We have something good here, the two of us, all four of us. Just please let me put it behind me. And, and, and I promise from here on out, like, I've turned a new leaf. I will never kill again. And I think he almost gets there with her. Yeah. Obviously, like, he was listening and not asleep and listening to her leave the house. So he was suspicious that she might have, even though she changed the subject, heard something. He is a hitman after all. So one of the things he is good at is looking out for himself under any circumstance. And they're having a conversation that Barry, I think, again, almost gets there. She is almost convinced, but she shakes herself out of it and 
tells him that, you know, they're going to go back to the house. She's going to cuff him and then she's going to make a phone call and it's over. And he keeps trying to talk her out of it. He gives her like a hundred chances to let it go. Just like he did with Chris, kind of. Yeah, he's explaining his delusion. But let's not forget, to save himself, he also killed Chris. Like, this guy is not in a place right now where, like, I don't think the audience should be rooting for him. No, and I didn't think for a second that he would accept being arrested. Because we've already seen, like, he's kind of nuts. And will do whatever it takes to, to, I don't know, basically just serve his own self-interest. And... Then she tells him to walk. They start walking up the hill. And as the camera pans out, it shows that he has a gun with a silencer like attached to the back of a tree in case this exact thing happened. And he turns around once more and pleads with Detective Moss not to do this. And when she makes it clear that she's taken him down, we cut to Sally asleep in the house. We hear two shots ring out. We don't know what happened. It's very tense for a few minutes. And then, you know, Barry comes back in, lies down, looks to be in complete agony. And it's just like, starting now. Starting now instead. Yep, this one is the real one. I swear to you, I'm going to, this, I said starting now a few times before, but I was joshing. This one's the real one. So yeah, uh, Moss is definitely dead. Don't know where her body is, and this is really going to shake shit up. So I'm basically still where I was at at the end of the last episode, where, in my mind, Barry is already lost. Like, he's basically shown there's no extent that he won't go to to protect himself, and he doesn't just kill bad guys. I'm sure that was almost never the case. It was just something he told himself. Uh, He's been killing his own friends. I'm pretty much the same as well, and... I'm still interested in the show. Basically, I look at the show like a drama that I do want to follow. I want to see what happens. Enough things happen in each episode, all eight of them per season, that it's interesting to me. And there are one to two jokes per episode that usually land. Like you said, the Kurosawa joke. That was solid. That was really funny. And it was in the middle of this episode that would, you know... The person standing in that scene who's on the phone getting sweet talked by Gene Kusno is 10 minutes from being dead. You know, and didn't see that coming at the time and didn't see the time jump coming or the uh, the fake no, out. But it, it's, it's so neatly wrapped up, too. It's actually really tight writing how they ended this. And, and if this were the last episode, it would have been a good one. And we know it's going to be four seasons. The third right. one coming out sometime soon hopefully fourth one already written so i i really liked it i mean just because i don't i don't empathize with barry the the thing is like walter white did some bad things but at the end of the day he's like doing it for his family so you you know you, you can try to understand him and and even if you disagree you can empathize a little bit like oh he does bad things for his family just like michael corleone he does terrible things but he's trying to protect his family like (laughs) Barry's just doing it so he can be a bad actor (laughs) and even more so than that he's doing it because him being in jail is like another show that's not the one they're writing yeah I'm just talking about his character motivations I know and I'm talking about them sitting in a room being like fuck how do we keep him out of jail Barry's a broken individual he he doesn't have the mind uh, of of a a 
a normal or <laughs> moral individual. As I've said, like, if I'm in Barry's position, my freedom and ability to continue acting and not go to jail would not be would not outweigh Chris's life or Moss's life at all. I would just, you know, either just go to jail or blow my own brains out at that point rather than have to kill my friends, you know? Right. He has the ability to just deal with that shit, apparently, which makes him different from most people. I'm looking forward to in the future, hopefully getting more of a background as to how he became this way, more of a background on his Mm -hmm. childhood, teenage years, and his military career, especially, you know, he's, uh, he's listed and like basically presented to the audience as one of the greatest snipers in the world. How did he get like that? Was he just naturally good at it? And how Fuchs came into his life. I want to know all of that stuff. And then, you know, they seem to, on an episode-by-episode basis, write themselves into a corner and then figure it out. So, and every time they do, it's interesting, to at the very least. Yeah, and yeah, I keep saying that things are all wrapped up. Things are, are no, like, with the, with the murder of Moss, now Barry has to live a lie uh, with Gene saying, oh, I don't know what happened to Moss. And now he has to, he's in a serious, committed relationship with Sally, basically live a lie with her constantly uh, lying about the person he is and the things that he does. Which is not the healthiest way to to start a relationship, probably. No. He also has to now fight a second investigation as to Moss's murder because he's definitely going to be questioned. He was at the place where she disappeared from. And all the while dealing with he is in an actual relationship with sally and they're doing plays that she cares more about and she like also is next to him at all times which is different where like now you have a person just like watching you being like hey you're acting weird why is that is it perhaps because you've been on a murderous spree these past few months and you feel very bad for Moss, who was only trying to do the right thing. And you feel very bad for Gene, who finally oh my like, God. found somebody. That is who, by um, far, I feel, though. Moss is dead, and I feel way worse for Gene. <laughs> I, I just feel <laughs> so sad for him. He found happiness, and it's being ripped away from him. He's going to be Devi. That's short for devastated. I did it for, to save time. So, at the same time, though, if you want to look at this uh, as a duality... Sure. At any point in time, Barry could have just said, okay, I won't kill any more people. I guess I have to sacrifice this acting class and sacrifice Sally and, and, and run from this instead of hurting people. Moss, if she hadn't been so, uh, so righteous, she could have just said like, okay, I, I, I'll, I'll leave things as they are and keep an eye on you, Barry, you know? That was also an option for her. Yes. One that she wasn't interested in considering. And it's very like a one-two punch of Chris and Moss had both moments where Barry was begging for their lives, not his own. Mm -hmm. Also, Barry brought a gun. Like, he's two months out or whatever, and he's on a vacation with Gene and Moss and and Sally talking about acting, talking about how, you know, the theater is really where he is happiest. It's his, it's his first and only love. It's pretty much where he's thinking of staying. You know, he's a pretentious L.A. guy, but he still brought a gun with a silencer here. 
Right. See, you know, he keeps saying starting now, starting now, but it, clearly it, it's not something that he can get out of his head. And, and Fuchs says something to him in this episode, which is probably good foreshadowing. He's like, you know, I didn't, I didn't make you this way. This is just how you are. It is your, your natural talent. When will Barry stop trying to be happy? Will anything supersede his want and need to live the life that he has daydreamed about throughout the first season? Is there anything? And the show that is a dramedy uh, with a teetering scale of those two things will be exploring that within the next three seasons, I bet. So like for Walter White, there basically was nothing. He was, he was willing to basically risk everything for his own, like, power and satisfaction. Dexter, really, <laughs> the one of them who's probably the deepest insane out of these three characters, had the most restraint and consideration for the people in his life? Yeah. Yes. Uh, and, but there is, as I recall, and I'm not trying to spoil anything, but there's a lot of death around Dexter eventually like it all falls apart mm. as it has to so like the, again I, I don't know how sally gets out of this series alive or gene i think will just because he's wonderful like noho hank gene and sally are the ones in like the core of these people can't die right now but one of those three or two of those three just cannot make it the, the way like how intense this television show is and the decisions they make on a constant basis to just kill off characters they all three can't make it so james where does this fall for you as just like you know we're like pretending we're not going to go on but like season one of barry throughout like and we don't have to list all of our our shows and our rankings are the shows we watched last year and all the rankings you know adding one division to that as well but where would it be like is it above WandaVision for you? Is it above Lovecraft? Yeah, it's above both of those. This is in like the top tier of the shows that we've been watching. Like, I don't know, let's say like post-Westworld, right? Season one, yeah. Yeah, I would say, yeah, better to me than, than I enjoyed it more than WandaVision, you know, episode by episode. I think it stands probably, the sum of its parts is just better. Did you like it better than Watchmen? Uh, hard to say. Maybe about the same. But yeah, I liked it better than right. Lovecraft Country. So Perry Mason, you still have above it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's also where I am. Uh, but, you know, I'm excited to see what happens with season two. And, you know, I hope that eventually we find out, you know, if, if anything will happen soon with season three. And we'll be revisiting Barry for season two after we do Justice League, which is a four hour movie. We're going to be breaking down into hour long episodes anyway, just, you know, for funsies. And Falcon and the Winter Soldier, which is about to drop tonight and or tomorrow as well. And then, uh, you know, after that, we'll be back for Barry Season 2. You know, unless something comes up. Yeah. Join us next week for Justice League. They really fucked us. That was supposed to be a four-part miniseries that we could have covered for a month. But then they made it into one four-hour shitty movie. But you know what? They're not the boss of us. We're going to go with our original plan, yes. right, HBO? Just because you have no confidence uh, in running this for four weeks and you just want to get it out of the way, uh, doesn't mean that we're going to, you know, revolve our lives around your schedule. Mm -mm. I look forward to watching it in hour long intervals and trying desperately to be like, where should I stop? I wonder if it will be obvious where the episodes would have ended. 
Thanks again for listening, guys, for this season one of Barry. Please join us for season two and then catch us next week for the Snyder Cut and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. If you want to support the show, you can find us on social media. On Twitter, he's at Westworld Ryan. I'm at James Watches Men. You could leave us a nice review on whatever podcast medium you listen to this on. If you want to support the show in a monetary way, then you can find us on Patreon, where for a dollar or more a month, you can get bonus content and our patrons-only Discord chat, as well as your name shouted out at the end of each show. Yeah, exactly. And that's, like, what I'm about to do, just so, like, you guys know. And those people who have given us money recently are Jamie Lochner, Anthony Wells, Hardboiled Greg, Nicole, David Levin Podcast, James Watch My Dong, Atheist is Unstoppable, Chris Wood, Brent Gedd, Day 11 Westworld, Craig, John Jurds, Major Woody, and Carolyn Dreyes. Thank you for being personal sponsors of the HBO Boys Podcast, and uh, we really appreciate it. All of this television and movie-based content for your ears would not be possible without your lovely donations. Yeah, and stick with us, guys, because uh, we are going to be a really good podcast starting now. I hit my mic. I hit my mic. Starting now.